Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We are your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Hey. Uh, I always like how you say hi like twice. Hey, hey. I know. I feel like it might be unnecessary. <laughs> I mean, I love it. But, <laughs> I mean, this is what we're doing. So, we promised we would play Oregon Trail. Um card game we haven't oh, done that yet oh i forgot about that maybe next time we go ghost hunting that's oh. what we should do <laughs> see Lindsay's on my wavelength <laughs> it's a sleepover yes <laughs> i'm always on your wavelength that it's a sleepover okay we can play Oregon Boy trail <laughs> we can do each other's makeup <laughs> she gave us a look like we're supposed to be hunting for ghosts and evidence <laughs> like, i mean is that is that me or is that me <laughs> we're like where's the sleepover you guys are doing your own shit and i'm like but what about the ghosts <laughs> we do the ghosts too i love the ghosts too we do but the i ghosts. also love to have sleepovers it's got to be a balance of both especially yes. if it's just us three yes when because... we have the privates we <laughs> private uh, investigations <laughs> we balance it out like when things get a little too heavy or we hear too many growls we're like all right let's go do some tiktoks let's go do some fun i think the ghosts are just drawn to us no matter what they don't care mm-hmm. mcintyre we had a lot of fun but we also got some evidence of, yeah got some evidence and did some ghost hunts yeah like we always... are you are you coming to this side i don't, I don't know have fun with us or, um... yes 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 oh my god oh here we are about the song again <laughs> I can just rest my head against the microphone. No, 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 don't okay. do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was so funny though in the Wernall episode when you're like, we are talking about the Veil vale Mansion of Independence. And we're like, no. Okay. Wow. You guys are weird. Jerks. So what else? <laughs> you were wrong. I'm sorry. So what else is new this week with you guys? Uh Apparently, I'm a jerk now. <laughs> oh, gosh. <stop laughs> I've always been a jerk. It's fine. Actually, it's not anything new. If you ask some people that I work with, then... Stop it. Yes. You <laughs> are lovely. I think you're great. That's why we all hang yes. out together. Yeah. We like each other. I don't hang out with jerks. Jerks are mean. <laughs> you know what? Jerks are mean. Yes. You know what? I agree. <laughs> Preach. I've been researching a lot about our upcoming topic. Yeah. Um, and we are going to talk about... West Memphis 3. We are. And yes, we are. <laughs> honestly, Boydson, you told me we were going to do this topic at work this week, and I did not know what it was. Really? I'm surprised really by that. Didn't. That I is surprising. I'm like the true crime one, and I didn't know what it was. I was kind of excited to talk about this one because I've known about this for a while. Yeah. I'm excited now because I binged some Hulu on like Hulu. There some was documentaries. Like, yeah, yeah. there's some documentaries. So I binged a lot of those the past couple sure. of days. So now I'm like, I mean, deep diving off of it. Even though we're going to talk about it tonight, I feel like there's just so much it's to learn big from topic. this case. There really is. There's a lot of documentaries. There's um, just different things that you can watch or listen to to get just so in depth on this topic. Right. So and it's we'll, going to be a very brief overview. With yeah, us. we'll hit the highlights. Um, but definitely, if you are interested in looking into this more. Especially if you find that you might have some theories yourself. Right. Then definitely find out what documentaries you have around or as available as options to you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe some podcasts. Yeah, Sarah, you listened to a good podcast about this. Right. Last podcast on the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that come out as a 
jarbled sentence because it felt like it. Last podcast on the left. Perfect. <laughs> they yes. actually did a three-part episode about this, and each episode was about an hour long, maybe a little bit longer. So they really went into some great detail about each section of this case, and they did a great job. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And there's lots of, like you said, documentaries out there, books <laughs> about this, all of those. I mean, if you just Google, right, you will find so many things. Right. Yeah. Should we just jump into it? Let's yeah, jump let's jump into do it. it. Okay, who's All first? Right. Me, Lindsay. Lindsay is. All right. So, and we're just going to go ahead and put out this disclaimer like we do for most of our true crimes. This is very graphic descriptions. This involves child death, child mutilation, child sexual abuse. So, trigger warnings. Trigger warnings. All of the trigger warnings um, for you guys. So, May 5th, 1993, we are going to West Memphis, Arkansas, which. Fun fact, when you told me we were doing the West Memphis 3, I was thinking, like, Memphis. Not, like, no. Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay really knew nothing about it. I really this. knew nothing wow. about it. So this is probably, like, a mind-blowing... It, it really... Like, yeah, I have been lot. deep diving off of it all week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so three eight-year-old boys, Steve Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers, were reported missing on May 5th, 1993. They were all best friends, and they were second graders at Weaver Elementary School. They were also involved in Cub Scouts and were in the rank of Wolf. Which oh, I don't know what that okay. means, but pretty it's cool. A Cub Scout ranking. Yeah. yeah. I, I got that. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Let me <Duh>. clarify. <laughs> all right. So a little bit about each of the children. Steve, he was the son of Stephen and Pamela Branch. They divorced when he was young, and his mother remarried Terry Hobbs. Steve was described as having blonde hair. He was an honor student, and he lived with his mom and his stepfather and his four-year-old sister, Amanda. Christopher Mark Byers was born to Melissa Defer and Ricky Murray. They also divorced when he was young, and his mother married John Mark Byers, who later adopted Christopher, which is why he has his last name. He had light brown hair and lived with both of his parents and his 13-year-old stepbrother. And then last, there was James Michael Moore. He was the son of Todd and Dana Moore. He had brown hair, and he was last seen wearing his Boy Scouts uniform because he liked to wear it pretty much all the time, even when he didn't have meetings. He was considered the leader of the group, and he lived with his parents and his nine-year-old sister. Okay, so police, they were first notified by Christopher's father, John Mark Byers, around 7 p.m. that night. The boys were allegedly last seen together by three neighbors who reported seeing them playing together around 6.30 p.m. So John Mark Byers, he alerted the authorities because he was Christopher was not home yet when he should have been home. So they also reported seeing Terry Hobbs, who was Steve's stepfather, call them to come home. The neighbors did. Friends and neighbors started searching that night, but they found nothing. Police also searched, but it was a pretty limited search. They weren't doing anything really extensively because they thought maybe the boys were just out late or maybe they were willingly staying away. Sure. Just boys will be boys kind of thing. Um, so a thorough search began the next morning at about 8 a.m. when none of the boys had come home overnight. So they focused primarily on the Robin Hood Hills area, which is where the boys were reportedly last seen by the neighbors. So at about 13.45, so, sorry, military time, 1.45, mm -hmm. um, a juvenile parole officer, Steve Jones, while they were all searching, found a black shoe floating in a creek that led to a drainage canal in Robin Hood Hills. 
Searching the ditch by police revealed the bodies of all three boys. And so in the documentary I watched, they interviewed the police officer who actually found the boys. And he talked about how he just got in the ditch and was just, I mean, it's like a dirty, disgusting ditch where you can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like murky, disgusting water. You can't see anything. So he's just kind of like bending down, trying to find stuff and found one body. And he just talked about and he testified about it too, just how... That was, like, the worst moment in his life, like, yeah. finding these bodies. I read that it was, like, mostly muddy yeah. in there, and he was on his hands and knees, like, up to his elbows yeah, and just knees crawling. in mud, and just happened to hit one of the bodies with his leg. Yeah. Just crawling. They said, like, traumatic. in his suit and tie. Yeah. And once he found one body, he pretty much found the other two. Like, they were all very close together. Yeah. The boys had been stripped naked and were hogtied with their own shoelaces, so hogtied, think right ankle tied to your right wrist behind your back, and same with your left side. Um, their clothing was later found in the creek. Some of it was twisted around like sticks that had been thrust into the mud. Yes. Which? Like pinned down. Yeah, like yeah. pinned down. That's a good way to put it. So oddly enough, the neighbors and friends that had done the search party the night before had searched that area but had not found anything. So the clothing was mostly turned inside out. Two pairs of the underwear was never found. So Christopher Byers, he had the worst injuries. Um, And again, here's my trigger warning for you guys. He had lacerations to parts of his body and his scrotum and his penis were completely mutilated. Like to the point that police believed that he died from blood flow loss because of his scrotum and his penis being ripped off. Yeah. So autopsies revealed that Byers died of multiple injuries, like they said, probably because of blood loss. Moore and Branch, the other two boys, they died of multiple injuries with drowning. So they had water in their lungs, um, whereas Byers was already dead before he hit the water. Mm. Initially, there was some suspicion that the boys had been raped. Um, That's kind of always been debated. I'm sure you guys will touch on this. Some experts testified that they were not raped. Some testified that they were. And there was trace amounts of sperm DNA found on a pair of pants at the scene. So I'm going to let you guys kind of go with what happened after they found the bodies. So Lindsay covered kind of the crimes. We're going to talk about the suspects and the evidence. And first we have teenagers Chris Morgan and Brian Holland. Both had prior drug offense charges. Which, you know, these days it's not a huge deal, but back in the 90s it's a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Morgan was presumed to be at least casually familiar with all three murdered boys, having previously driven an ice cream truck route through their neighborhood. Suspiciously, just four days after the bodies were discovered, Morgan and Holland abrupt- abruptly left for California. So they just they just left. Up and left. Both were arrested in California uh, in May of 1993, and they were given polygraph exams, and deception was indicated when they uh, denied any involvement in the murders. During questioning, Morgan claimed a long history of drug and alcohol use, along with blackouts and memory issues. So basically, he's like, I don't remember anything. Yeah, easy, easy, cop out. Well, and... I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I have a big problem with lie detector tests. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people do. I think so. That's why they're inadmissible in court. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 
He claimed that he might have killed the boys, but quickly recanted. California police sent blood and urine samples, but there is pretty much no indication that West Memphis PD further investigated Morgan or Holland as suspects in the case. So those are those two. Mm -hmm. Next is a favorite of mine, Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles, which sidebar, I love Bojangles. You do. The restaurant is amazing. I oh, love it. I was like, I'm not following. Oh, that's like a, a place that's still around. Have you guys ever eaten Bojangles? Absolutely. Do we look like we've no, eaten okay. Bojangles? <laughs> it's in the South. Do we look like we've eaten Bojangles? <laughs> it's a fast food restaurant in the South that's like fried chicken and biscuits and... I mean, it sounds delicious. It's so good. They have biscuit, like blueberry biscuits in the morning for breakfast that Ooh. are called Bowberry. And they're so good. I don't know about blueberry biscuits, but oh, I can so do good. a regular biscuit with some butter. Biscuits oh. and gravy sound yeah. delightful. It's so good. And their sweet tea is the bomb. I refuse to like sweet tea. Um, I my agree. gosh, my little southern heart is broken. Hard pass. Bless your heart. I only, I drink unsweet tea now because it's healthier and I'm, <laughs> I try not to drink my calories unless it's alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, have you looked at what you've drank tonight? I know. I drink unsweet tea and like water. But I love sweet tea. That's what I grew up drinking. That's all I drank as a kid. Well, we'll have to try it out sometime. Yes. I have tried it and still hard pass, but I will do it for you. If we you ever have go- tried Bojangles? No. No, if we sweet ever go tea. To the oh, South, no, no. I will take you all to Bojangles. It's the first we place I go when we go to North Carolina. Yeah, we need to go to Bojangles. It's just- not in Texas. Uh. <laughs> it's like like South, like towards the East Coast. The actual South. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm like with the you. Deep south. Yeah. So, Mr. Bojangles, while the boys were still missing, the manager of a fast food restaurant named Bojangles. Weird. Located <laughs> located about a mile from the scene that they didn't know that was a scene yet, reported a black male who seemed mentally disoriented. And he came inside the fast food restaurant and he went like commitment made like a beeline for the ladies' room. The ladies' room? The ladies' room. Oh, the ladies' room. Interesting, Mr. Bojangles. Um they reported that the man was bleeding. Or had blood all over him. And he had brushed against the walls, leaving blood streaks. No. So apparently, an officer was sent out. So when the boys were, were reported missing, mm-hmm. one of them was reported missing first. And then this weird Bojangles <clears throat> man was reported. And the documentary that I watched on Discovery Plus, which was an investigation discovery documentary on the West Memphis Three, they made it seem like this female officer was in kind of a hurry because she wanted to focus on finding this missing boy. Mm -hmm. And so she was sent out, but she, like I said, was in a hurry. And she took the report through the drive-thru window. She didn't go in. By the time she arrived, the man had left. She didn't really investigate it any further. Which, let's also add, this is a small area, rural. Triple homicides just don't happen here with young kids, too. Sure. It was, like, near a busy highway. There are weird people coming and going constantly. Yeah. yeah. Especially it, in that in that spot, what you're talking about. And at this point, we don't know if the boys are dead yet. Right. right? Like, right. this is just a random complaint that's come in. Right. In the middle of these boys kind of coming up missing. So she was sent out, and by the time she arrived, the man had left. 
And she didn't go into the restroom or the restaurant to investigate any further. She's like, all right, cool. Got it. And she left. Probably just thinking he's on drugs or something like that. Yeah, right. So the bodies of the boys were found and the restaurant manager called again because he saw it on the news. And he's like, he's thinking that maybe this man could have been an important piece to the puzzle. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Good for him. He is an OG true crime enthusiast. I mean, I get it. He is doing his due diligence. I appreciate that. He really was. So he had saved pieces of evidence that the the strange man had left behind. Good for him. He saved some sunglasses. He saved blood samples. Like sunglasses that the bloodied man had left. Yeah. Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles, yes. And so he called, and investigators came. They took some blood samples from the walls. They took this little baggie that um, the manager had put together with the sunglasses and a little bit more evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And they went on their merry way, but we later find out, very frustratingly, that this evidence was actually lost. Mm. Yep, I literally saw that in the documentary, and I wanted to scream. Yeah, There's a lot of frustrating things along the way in this case, but yes. So this was never tested against the boys. Like we don't know if this was the boys' blood. We don't know. We don't know Who's anything. Yeah, we don't even know who Mr. Bojangles is. To right. No, we don't. So later on, though, a hair was identified as belonging to a black male that was later recovered from a sheet wrapped around one of the victims. And that's basically it with Mr. Bojangles. Mm-hmm. It's it's very frustrating. Yeah. But the three main suspects were 17-year-old Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., 16-year-old Jason Baldwin, and 18-year-old Damien Eccles. Mm-hmm. And Eccles and Baldwin were close friends. Like, they were, they were BFFs through and through. And they knew Miss Kelly from school, but were not super close with him. Mm-hmm. Baldwin had been previously arrested for vandalism and Eccles for shoplifting. You know, kind of in the grand scheme of things, minor offenses. Right. You know, maybe like gateway offenses, if you will, but just not a huge deal. Miss mm-hmm. Kelly had a reputation for his temper and for engaging in fistfights with other teenagers at school. And Miss Kelly and Eccles were actually high school dropouts. And Baldwin, however, earned pretty high grades and was particularly talented at drawing. And he wanted to be in the arts whenever he became an adult. Yeah. Police officers felt that the crime had cult overtones. So they felt like maybe these boys' bodies were sacrificed. And this led them to Eccles because possibly... He was a suspect because he had an interest in the occult, and they thought in their minds that he was capable of murdering children, again, as as sacrifices. Like Satanism. Yeah, apparently Eccles was into Wiccan, mm-hmm. Wicca, and they kind of spun that. It, this was during Satanic Panic times, and they spun that as, like, this guy's a devil worship- worshiper. Right, and this, again, you know, like we said, is the Deep South. Yes. Religious, Bible evangelical, Belt. Bible also, Belt. Yes. Also the 90s, right? So also like the this 90s. is the beginning of the time of like goth and emo style. And I really do feel like he was like 
you know, the beginning of that time, like listen to Metallica. Yeah, he he wore his hair in all black. He wore all black clothes. He listened to like heavy metal. Right. Mm -hmm. And people just weren't comfortable or familiar with that at that time. Especially there. Well, I think I think you kind of have to own it because it it is said that he grew up extremely poor and he was picked on his entire life. So there's that kind of aspect of it too, where you kind of take on a persona where it's like a defensive mechanism almost. And like you own it, right? Like if you don't own it, then people are going to pick on you. Well, I even saw one part of the documentary. They interviewed his sister Mm -hmm. who said, I think a girl told him once that he looked sexy and all black. And that's why he wanted to wear all black. Yeah. Right. It boosted his confidence. I think he says that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys remember your teenage years? Like, we weren't the I most mean, confident people. We also, would, no. everybody says weird things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I had friends in high school and junior high who dressed in all black, who liked like Wiccan and stuff like yeah. that. Like, that would have been me. That's okay. a big jump from that to <laughs> Did you ever have murdering. the guys that like would gel their hair either yes. straight up or straight yeah, down? Yes, I had friends like that. I know. They were my close friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was, I mean, I know we were. Like early two thousands for like that age, but I like how you're pointing at her only. But yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. But like, yes, nineties, the police were looking for someone to blame. They were right, very especially pushed, especially in small town Arkansas. Yeah. I feel like that's like they were like very pushed to find there. a suspect, right. and so they looked for the outsiders. Yeah. Honestly, if wearing white eyeliner would have been a crime, I would be in prison. I never wore and white, white eyeliner. eyeliner. Did you? A hundred percent. I wasn't and shocker. I, I was not allowed to wear makeup. <laughs> I, sh- I shaved my eyebrows as well. You shaved your eyebrows like all the way off? No, like just the back ends. <gasps> yeah, just to be hardcore. Oh my gosh. Like I a need, line there. I need to see. Yeah, I, did things I need to see these pictures. I don't think there were pictures I, of me. I'll try and find some for you. I can't <laughs> guarantee anything. Oh my gosh. I love so much. I know. So anyway, so Eccles was interviewed two days after the bodies were found. Mm-hmm. Like they immediately honed in on him, like this right. weird teenager. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah, and he was given a polygraph and denied any involvement. Sure. But the examiner claimed that the polygraph indicated deception. I hate polygraphs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into this later. So Eccles later mentioned to a detective that one of the victims had wounds to the genitals, and Mm -hmm. this was viewed as incriminating, that he would know that piece of information. But it's very, very – like, a lot of these boys – these boys, they had hours upon hours of interrogation and conversations with police, but only maybe, like, 40 – to 120 minutes was ever recorded. Which Eccles, I want to make sure I'm clear on this, he was like, what, 18, 19 at this time? I think he was only 17. 17, 18. I think they were all real young. young. Yeah. But by the time of their trial, they were old enough. Yeah, Eccles was 18. Yeah. And so technically of age to consent for any type of police interview. Right. And so that's what they found. Like maybe a polygraph that might have been deceptive and he <laughs> later yeah so right. they All later times. interrogated miss jesse miss kelly and despite his reported iq of 72 mm-hmm. and the fact that he was a minor 
at the time at 17 years old and his dad was not there. His parents were not there. Right. Um, I guess his father gave permission for him to go with police, but he didn't really say like you can interrogate him or question him. Like Mm -hmm. you can just, he can go with you. Mm -hmm. But even if they did, like, I feel like at that point in time, you were told to trust the police. You were told you were, that's like inherent in your behavior you need to do this because these are the good guys. Trust right, them. Right. You need to, they're on your side. That's kind of, I think, what coerced him in that situation. Yes. And so he was questioned for 12 hours, but only 40, only two 46 minute sessions were ever recorded. Mm-hmm. And he confessed to having a part in the murders and implicated Eccles and Baldwin. Mm. Um, Baldwin, besides that, doesn't have much you know pre-trial he doesn't have much evidence against him he's just kind of because he's Eccles' best friend he's also implicated in the murder yeah trial by association yeah and the miss kelly confession is kind of where we're gonna lead into sarah's part of it Mm -hmm. okay so as you mentioned jesse miss kelly had a pretty low iq um, they say that he kind of functioned around the same as like a fifth grader, maybe yeah. even lower, you know, and he was very trusting. He was very sweet, very trusting. And as I mentioned, he just wanted to please the police. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that he knew any better. I'm just going to be honest. Honestly, me with a normal IQ after 12 hours of interrogation, I'd right. be ready to get out of there no matter what it meant. Right. There was a lot actually that led up to his confession quote-unquote um but basically you can kind of get the gist that he was questioned for many many hours he was tired he was easily manipulated um and he was told that if he cooperated he could just go home Mm -hmm. um which is really sad which is what he wanted to do Yeah. yeah that's all he wanted to do so he basically admitted to things that just never happened all right his statements were different than uh the the physical evidence he stated that the boys had been sexually assaulted and that they were tired, tied with a rope when in actuality they were tied with their own shoelaces mm-hmm. and not a rope. He also said that he was terrified of Damien Eccles and that he really didn't know him. Um, he kind of knew him by association through school. Mm-hmm. There was another uh, another um, eyewitness that I'll get into here in a minute uh, but she kind of comes into play mm-hmm. because he was coerced to talk to her and get Damien and her together. Yeah. All right. You following me? <laughs> yes. Yes. I was also going to add, he also said that, like, this happened at noon. The boys weren't reported missing till 7. Right. He said that they skipped school that day. They were all in school that day. Yeah. Like, his timeline didn't match up. Until yeah. police, like, kind of got him to change his story by so, leading him. Right. So, basically, his his... Testimony said that he um, saw Damien mm-hmm. um, performing satanic rituals on these boys. Right. All right. It was like a long, drawn-out ordeal, and he said that he saw these things go down, when in reality, like I said, he was really terrified. Okay. So he said that Damien did these things, and that he actually was there, and he saw these things, and mm-hmm. he chased after the third boy. Who ran away. So he actually implicated himself accidentally. Okay. So because of that, 
he was found guilty or he was taken to trial. Right, right. That's where I was trying to get with all that. Um, so he was tried separately and uh, his trial began on January, in January of 1994. And his attorney focused on the confession, which the lawyer, his lawyer had alleged had been coerced, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. So police said that Jesse was confused. Of course they did. And on February 4th, 1994, he was found guilty of first degree and second degree murder. And he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Mm. So Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin, they were tried together and their trial started shortly after Jesse Miss Kelly. Mm -hmm. Jesse, however, refused to testify in their trial, which meant that the prosecution had to rely solely on circumstantial evidence. Because they didn't have the confession to rely on. Correct. Yeah. Uh, So they brought up Damien's interest in the occult, of course. Like, like Boyston mentioned, and basically used his teenaged angst against him the whole time. His angst. <laughs> I love that word. I laugh, but it's true. Like, it's that's true. really all they had. That's truly all they had. Yeah. Is, you know, the way he acted, the way he dressed, what his he, he was, was interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they brought up his taste in music, specifically pointing out that both Damien and Stephen King listened to Metallica. Mm. Wait, Stephen King likes listened to Metallica. He did. Stephen, a tongue twister. Stephen King listened to Metallica. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He did. I don't know if he still does. <laughs> I don't know. Stephen King, do you listen to Metallica still? <laughs> okay. Additionally, they said that a few inmates testified that Jason confessed to the murders. Right. Did that happen? Probably not, but... Mm. Uh, they also said that a few girls had overheard Damien confess to the murders during a softball game. Hmm. Which was held against him. Yeah. The defense tried to identify another suspect. This kind of touches on what... Who talked about the guy who ran away? Bojangles. Boydston. No? No. You're talking about a different guy from Bojangles? The one who went to California? Oh, Boydston talked about it. Okay. Me, 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 me. One of them was a local me, teenager me, me, who me, had me, left me. town shortly after the bodies were discovered. Um, he said that he might have committed the murders, but recanted his statement that he might have committed the murders. But, um, yeah. <laughs> never say, no, no, I might have. Like I may have killed him, but I might not have. Never, never ever say that. <laughs> the judge I mean, refused to maybe. let them testify before I mean, the jury. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> On March 18th, 1984, both Damien and Jason were found guilty of first degree murder. Again, mostly based on circumstantial evidence. Did you guys read it all about the um, prosecution's expert witness about the occult? Yes, that he he got his degree from like a male in... Yeah, he had like a PhD yes. in the occult. And so he testified that, you know, this is all like typical occult stuff. The lack of yeah. blood and all the lack of evidence that they had and... All of this. And then the defense goes, so how many classes did you take while getting your PhD? And he's like, none. Like, I took it online. Yeah, it was online. Ma- it wasn't online, but it was like Because there wasn't online. <laughs> he was like, I had to read lots of books and I had to read all of these studies. I'm like. Yeah, it was the early 90s. It was not online. Right. It was just like a, it felt like a mail-in degree. Like you pay to get a PhD. Yes. And like, yeah, you had to read books and stuff. I could read, I read books all the time. Why don't or I have a PhD? Also, you could say that you read books. Yes. And it's not an accredited university. He took zero classes to get this PhD. In his defense, it was accredited back in 1979. 
Yes. Did you hear, uh, did you read about the main officer that um, was totally after Damien Nichols the entire time? Yes. Was not really an officer? Oh, not really an officer. He was I don't know. self-appointed. Oh, my goodness. Occult specialist. He was actually an airline pilot. Oh, my gosh. Wait, is that the same guy? No, the the occult one, he wasn't a police officer. He was like a supposedly doctor, PhD. He's old. He was a police officer for 20 years, and then he got his PhD. Yeah. And none well, of it was like... May, it, maybe it is the same person maybe it later is. on. I want to see who this is. None of it was like... This person like hunted him down for his entire life. He, he couldn't stand him. He was the one that was like watching him constantly. So like Damien went away to Oregon for a while. And lived with his biological father. Yeah. And this guy was, like, waiting for him when he returned mm. to Arkansas. He was like, well, well, well. <laughs> what do we have what, here? What the cat dragged in. <laughs> yeah, this one was, like, everything he said was very generalized. Like, yeah, with Wiccan and occults and Satanism, this is possible, this is possible. But, like, none of it was particular to Damien, which is what was so sad, because that's really all the prosecution had. It was all just fear based. I'm going to find it out later, of course. Because he was a key person in it, and unfortunately mm-hmm. he sucks the most, because he's the reason why these people went to jail. Right. Alright, so I think I mentioned this, but on March 18th, 1984, both Damien and Jason were found guilty of first-degree murder, and because Damien was seen as the ringleader, he was given the death penalty. Jason... Again, guilty by association, uh, was seen as the friend. And uh, he was given life without the possibility of parole. The case started getting a lot of attention after this. The first documentary released was on HBO in 1986, and it was called Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. The child murders at Robin Hood Hills. Uh, This is where things really started taking a turn for the three boys. And red flags started to be raised about their guilty verdict. And it began to bring national awareness to the three of them, who by this time were known as the West Memphis Three. In 2000, another documentation aired that was probably even more high profile. Did you say another documentation aired? Yes, I did, because that's what I wrote. <laughs> I must have misspelled it. Another documentary. There you go. Aired. <laughs> I read what I wrote, Okay. Okay. <laughs> What you wrote was wrong. It is. Lindsay, don't be an asshole. <laughs> no, Sorry. she's right. I totally fucked that up. In 2000, that. another documentary aired that was probably even more high profile called Paradise Lost 2, Revelations. <gasps> Part 2, Revelations. Mm-hmm. A few key celebrities became very vocal about the West Memphis mm-hmm. Three um, and their innocence. Probably the most well-known celebrity was Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And he can be seen giving multiple interviews and speaking out about their injustice. And God, I cannot speak about their injustice. Uh huh. And Pearl Jam frontman Eddie Vedder was also a supporter of the West Memphis Three. That is quite the tongue twister. Yeah, it is. And I want to point out that the uh, Dixie Chicks were also a big support of this movement. I saw that. And they are not talked about much. Goodbye, right? Earl. Yeah, I kind of like them. Oh, I love them. And honestly, you got to love what they stand up for. They, like, always stand up for what they believe, even if it goes against their fan base. Yeah. So, kind of high five to them. Like them. Air high five. High five. (laughs) All right. So, in in 2004, Vicki Hutchison, and she was who I was kind of referencing earlier. Yes. 
She recanted her statement, saying that she had lied at the urging of police. She states that the police told her that they would implicate her in the murders if she did not cooperate. Womp womp. And she's one of the people who said, they told me that they killed these boys. They confessed to me. Well, she was a big part in why they were found she guilty. She was also a big part of like why Eccles might have been implicated because she said that he went, he took her to some occult ritual where yes. they were yes. sacrificing something. Right. And right. everybody was <laughs> naked and she felt uncomfortable. And she's like, just take me home. Yeah. So Which, I can't say if that happened or not, but. No, she says it didn't happen. She says she went to a party in the field and woke up like in her front yard. With a body bottle of wild turkey in her hand, <laughs> yeah, and was like she made the, the whole happened? thing up. Yeah. yeah, well, made the whole thing up. Was encouraged by police to make the whole thing up. Let's say that definitely was steered into a certain yes. direction. Yes, and all throughout, like all the documentaries I watched, the police, like you can even hear it listening back to the tapes. Oh, it's They're so cringy. Very leading questions. Yeah, absolutely. You you say it happened at noon, but could it have happened later, like at dark? Right. If you've ever seen Making a Murder, if this is like a hundred times yes. worse. This is like the it's, original. Makes you want to pull your hair out. Yeah. It's like very knowing frustrating. what we know now. There's also a podcast called Anything You Say, and it's about investigations and the questions that people ask and kind of the do's and don'ts of oh, okay. oh like police questioning? Yes. Oh, interesting. Oh, like interviewing. Okay. It's it's police interviewing. It's called Anything You Say. I highly recommend if you want we'll to like to check that out. Yes, if it you want to learn the ins and it outs. It does kind of seem like you you're not allowed to leave unless you like agree yeah. with their leading question. All right. So in 2007, a hair was found in the knot of the shoelace string of one of the victims. It was sent for DNA testing, which was obviously not available at the time of the crimes. And shockingly, it was determined that the hair did not belong to Damien, Jason, or Jesse. Mm-hmm. Which in time out, I'm not sure if we said this, but at the scene, there was no blood. No, they were found in, 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 in a creek, water, yeah. basically. Right. So there was like no evidence. There was really nothing. Right. And these boys died by blunt force trauma right. and drowning. And so... Which, I mean, there's some questionable... I mean... Right. Don't don't come for me. But there's some questionable police work on that scene right. as well. Sure. But I mean, to their credit, I understand this is incredibly traumatizing for them as well. Yeah. So like you get there and a murder seems like just a murder when you're hearing about it. But in the event, I'm sure it's horrific. And it you're like frazzled. And what do you do in this time, especially in the 80s in a small town? We need 90s, to but sorry, <laughs> they're 90s. Right. In a small town that's not used to having a triple homicide. Especially with kids. Yeah. That's yeah. this widely publicized. And yeah. Well, yeah, before it was publicized, but yes. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Uh, So what, it seems like a bombshell turn of events, it did belong to Terry Hobbs. The hair and the shoelace. The hair and the shoelace. Which was the stepfather. The stepfather of Stevie Branch. Mm. Additionally, another hair found at the scene belonged to a friend of Terry Hobbs who happened to be with him the day of the murders. Interesting. Of course, Hobbs has denied any involvement in the murders and says that the hair could have transferred from the house since all three of the boys played at his house any day. Could he be. Says, well, it could have happened anytime. He could have been over to tie his kids' shoes and, I mean, could have. Could have. Could have. Um, super sketch, though. Sketch, but not damning. <laughs> he also says that he and his friend were out looking for the boys the night of the murder. Again. Very possible. Lots of friends and neighbors were. That his friend's hair was found in a tree near it. 
it did say that the friends and the neighbors searched that area and didn't find anything. Just saying, it's super sketchy. It is sketchy. <laughs> I doubt that any of the friends and neighbors got in the creek like the detectives did, so I think that's probably why they didn't find the bodies that night. Sure. But they did search that area. So, I mean, by themselves. This was without p- police, though. It was just those two. Oh. Mm-hmm. They went out on their own. It's suspicious. It is suspicious. I will get So I'm going to kind of like just elaborate a little bit more on what you touched on earlier. So a neighbor of Terry Hobbs Mm -hmm. later said to police that they recalled seeing one of the boys playing in their front yard on May 5th, 1993. Right. Which was the day of the murder. And Terry Hobbs came out from his house, hollered at the boys to come home. Right. So what's interesting about this is that Terry Hobbs has sworn up and down that he did not see any of the three boys the day that they were murdered. Interesting. Okay. And he is like on video saying that. On August 19th of 2011, a judge vacated. Vacated? That's what it says. Vacated all three convictions of the West Memphis Three based off the evidence that I just discussed. Mm -hmm. And it also came out that the jury foreman had introduced Jesse Miss Kelly's confession, which was supposed to be inadmissible. Right. Not good. Because it was crap. Yeah. There were accusations from the defense Mm -hmm. that the judge had lunch with the foreman of the jury. Mm -hmm. And basically, they decided right then, like, these boys were guilty. Mm -hmm. So, because I just think it's fascinating that they had nothing to go on besides these boys were just awkward weird teenagers yeah yeah they were interested and they they needed somebody to pin this on they really did yes and it even said like i read somewhere that the um that the police in west memphis declined any help from like the state authorities and the fbi and all of that they're like no we don't need your help Hmm. They were in over their heads. I think they did. And you know what's also fascinating to me, and then I'll leave it and you can go on, but it's that, like, we did our own separate research. Really, we hadn't talked about this besides, Mm -hmm. like, the fact that we're talking about this on a Thursday night. We (laughs) hadn't talked about this, and we all came to – I think you can tell. We all all have come to the same conclusion. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And I just think that's that says something. Yeah. Um, Sorry. That I'm in the innocence camp. Same C's. I think that's where I'm in. Yeah. So um, what happens next is a little bit weird because I don't understand legal system exactly, but I'll tell you what happened. Um, immediately after their convictions were recalled, all three men pled guilty but continued to maintain their innocence. This is known as something called the Alfred plea. Mm-hmm. An Alfred plea is a rare plea which allows people to plead guilty, even when they're claiming innocence, in order to avoid a greater punishment. So essentially it means their convictions were turned over. And all three were released from prison. A new documentary called Paradise Lost 3. Part 3. three. Purgatory. Ooh, Purgatory. <laughs> okay. That came out in 2011, which showed all the new evidence, which I just yeah. talked about. Yeah. Uh, so... Damien married Lori Davis. She's a Manhattan landscape architect while he was in prison. He got a degree while he was in prison, and he is now an artist, a movie producer, and an artist. I already wrote that. <laughs> He's an artist, a movie producer, a and artist. an artist. And also an artist. He's also an artist. Did you get that? But is he an artist? And questionable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wrote many books about his life and experiences during sure. his whole debacle. I'd read so, that. <laughs> I know. There's a 
quite a few. I'll send them your way. Jason Baldwin um, has also been involved in some movie production and is working towards a career in law. He also got a degree while he was in prison. And Jesse Miss Kelly has stayed out of the limelight for the most part. He works and lives not far from where he was arrested in Arkansas. Jeez, I would have gone as far away from them as I could. Yeah, he kind of stuck close to home. So that is a terrible tragedy story of injustice. Because they still don't know who did it. It's frustrating because, yeah, nobody's been held accountable. I know. It's very sad. families. My money's still on Mr. Bojangles. Bojangles is a good... I think maybe the stepfather, too, is a good... I think Bojangles would have been a good lead to go through. Bojangles, stepfather. I don't know. If if the evidence from Mr. Bojangles hadn't been lost, I think that... I don't know. The guy came in covered in blood. It's definitely questionable. Like, right next to the park or the um, forest. A mile away. Yeah. Yeah. That's one part of bad police work that a guy enters any place covered in blood and you don't go in to look. Well, they did. They They gathered it. They went the drive-thru the night of. Yeah. I want to know Lindsay's take on polygraphs. Mm -hmm. F minus. F minus, yes. There is a reason that they're not allowed in court, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're not accurate. And you guys can probably speak to, to the medical side of this. I mean, they're measuring your heart rate. They're measuring mm-hmm. what else do they measure besides your heart rate? I'm Listen, uh, it's your heart rate, your respiratory rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're measuring lots of stuff. So when you tell a lie, when you're not telling the truth, your heart rate does increase, but it does it at a gradual rate. It's not going to spike so that on that question, it's going to show. It might show like three or four questions later that your heart rate's elevated. And you might be telling the truth on that question, but Mm -hmm. you told a lie three or four questions ago. So it's not able to really gauge whether you're lying or telling the truth because it's a gradual incline with your breathing and your heart rate. Your heart rate and your breathing doesn't escalate the second you tell a lie. That's my problem with it. And And that's one of the reasons why it's inadmissible in court. No, I get it. Have you ever, because this is something that I do, not frequently, but mm-hmm. <laughs> enough in my adult life that it's kind of comical. Do you ever pretend that you're having a polygraph and like you feel yourself responding right. to questions potentially asking like, oh God, I would just fail it right here and now, but I did nothing. That's one of the other problems I have with it is that some people, I mean, getting a polygraph test is an anxious thing. <laughs> right. Sure. Especially if you're getting a polygraph about whether you killed somebody or not that's yes. a very you're in an anxiety inducing like situation you are being asked by police who are there you're nervous you're gonna fail so your heart rate and respiratory rate are gonna be all over the place you're gonna be sweating you're gonna be nervous yeah even if you're telling the truth it might show that you're lying there's i mean there's lots of reasons why they're not good some people are great liars and they can do it without even blinking some people are terrible liars but they might be so nervous that they it looks like they're lying on every single question, even their name. Yeah. So, like, anytime I see, like, I know this is stupid, but, like, even on Maury or Dr. Phil, like, these shows that don't matter where they're doing lie detector tests, I just want to scream at them. I'm like, these are not accurate representations. But let's be honest. You are not the baby's daddy. You are not the baby's <gasps> The lie detector term Ah, damn it. You that was a fly? It. That was a fly. The lie detector... Tur- <laughs> I can't. <laughs> the 
the lie detector ter- test determined that was a lie. Fly. Anything could have been a lie. It was a fly. Yes. I'm just saying, I don't understand. And I know this was the 90s. Things have changed. I don't understand why police still rely on lie detector tests when they have been proven to be un- unreliable and inadmissible in court. Why are you even doing them? If you can't admit it in court, why are you doing it? Yeah. I agree. Makes I, no sense. I agree. I will stay, say I that baloney. whoever did this was very smart by putting these boys in water. Yes. You cannot. There's cont- no blood even, that has been even found. Even these days, you can't find much evidence in water. There's literally been no blood that has been found from these two boys. Or three boys. And that's the crazy part. Like, either the murders happened somewhere else, and this, if this was one person, to be able to do this to three boys without any of them getting away. But then also dispose of their bodies, clean up as well as he did. I mean, it's mind-blowing that we don't know what happened. What is the motive? If they're claiming Satanism and occultism, then they weren't even into that. Like... It's said that Jesse Miss Kelly, like, misspelled the word Satan. And he said, what is Satan? Stan. What is Satan? Multiple times. It makes no sense. And I can't even, like, like, I'm not even sure I'm on the stepfather train because I can't even get why the stepfather would kill three of the boys. Like, that does like, I can't even get they were just all there and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why people do crazy things. I don't know. Big bummer all around, but... I, I don't know who did it. I don't think we will ever know who did it because, like you said, yeah. there's just no evidence to be found, even with DNA testing what it is now. It's interesting to know, though, that some of the parents, though, did take a different approach after yeah. all these years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in a different I, camp. I definitely think those three boys were innocent. I think so, too. What's and her? I just think it's sad. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. They, I don't believe they have anything. They were just weird, awkward yeah. teenagers of I the agree. 90s. Right. And that's it. Yeah. I and I am shocked that our judicial system well, found them guilty. And it's frustrating. It's it frustrating that you have. Circumstantial yeah. It's frustrating that you have shoddy police work yeah. and yeah. an entire, like, Eccles got initially got a capital sentence. He death was going to be sentenced yeah. to death, and it took twenty plus years for them to yeah. yes. get them out. Right, and meanwhile, like you know, potential suspects or evidence and stuff is just like passing by and being looked over because we're so focused oh, on these we three lost people. This blood from this random guy on the night right. that three boys were killed. Just such a bummer. Yeah. Mm. That is. How did somebody not get fired for that? Well, yeah. During the trial, he's like, yeah, my, my mistake. I lost it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I was screaming. Uh, so frustrating. I mean, normally I'm not one for unsolves, but I do quite like this case because I think it's super interesting. Yes. Yeah. And this was, like we said at the beginning, a very brief overview. Of course. You yeah. can deep dive off of this for hours. 100%. Yes. You can go into literally hours of, yeah. of evidence, etc. So... Go check all those things out. Yeah. Go check out the podcast, the last podcast on the left. Yes. Go check out some of the documentaries we talked about. You talked about some of them too. Yeah. Um, And I mean, let us know what you guys' thoughts are on this. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting, very sad case too, because there's no answers for these families. Yep. I think is the worst part. Totally agree. Well, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in for this week's group episode. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com. And find our socials from there and email us at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. 
please give us a five-star rating and a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Yes, we would. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We will catch you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.